His and Hers Horror features two adults discussing horror movies, serial killers, and other spooky content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. listening to his and hers horror my name is tia and i'm david and welcome everyone hi oh jesus all right <laughs> what i don't know it just, just sounded very you sound very enthused right now i am good i guess yeah, hooray why, why shouldn't i be i don't i i mean i don't know <laughs> i mean it's my life i will choose to be enthusiastic if i wish okay fair enough Sorry that I questioned it, I guess. No, no, you don't have to be sorry. (laughs) So this week, we are going to talk about the new French extremity. Yes. Um, I don't know if you can call it a subgenre or... Movement? I I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. I'd almost call it an artistic movement. Yeah, similar to like Giallo or Mm. like the early German aesthetic when it came to horror movies and stuff like that. Oh, the German expressionist films and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. So, because we're tackling New French Extremity, we opted not to do any bits. Yeah. Just because it's hard to do, like, a lot of, like, funny comedic bits when you're going into talking about something like New French Extremity. Mm. I do want to add, I know we have a disclaimer at the beginning of every episode, Mm -hmm. but I do want to add an additional one just because New French Extremity deals with a lot of rough subject matter yeah uh very very similar to antonin artaud's uh theater of the rough yeah theater of the rough and and things of that nature we can't really talk about the genre or movement i suppose Mm. without really mentioning those rough subjects so trigger warnings for this episode for suicide sexual assaults extreme violence etc yeah so if that kind of thing makes you uncomfortable or is not good for your for your, your well-being, your well-being, mm-hmm. and you just want to turn this episode off, we totally understand, and we'll be back to funnies next week. Yeah. So, without any further ado, mm. let's get into the details. Yeah. So, so what exactly is New French Extremity? I've got a couple definitions, actually. I mean, it's been around a while. Is it even new anymore? It's well, I guess. No, which is kind of why it's no, it's not really called New French Extremity anymore, necessarily. We'll get into it. Okay. I have three definitions. Holy shit. Well, yeah. So the first definition I have is, um, so New French Extremity can be defined as a selection of directors whose films embody a new aesthetic of naturalistic violence and symbolic transgression. Okay. Another definition is it's a horror subgenre wherein extreme, often sexually oriented acts of mutilation and violence are the focal point. Okay, that's a little grittier. A little bit, yeah. The term New French Extremity was actually coined in 2004. So you're right, it has been a bit. So it was actually, the term was coined almost as derisive Mm -hmm. by James Quant, who's a journalist for Art Forum. Okay. And this is actually what he said about the subgenre. It is cinema suddenly determined to break every taboo, to wade in rivers of viscera, 
to fill each frame with flesh, nubile or gnarled, and subject to all manner of penetration, mutilation, and defilement. Hmm. So he doesn't think much of... Right. The general gist I get from that is that he's not a big fan. Well, here's the thing, though. I mean, if you look at horror in general, you're going to see... You're going to see nudity at some point. You're going to see nudity. Well, and and if a, if a horror artist is doing their job right, it should make you feel a little uncomfortable. Yeah, you should at least feel something. Right. I think New French Extremity goes hard at that kind of thing, though. Well... Uh, Does that make any kind of sense? Yeah, but I, I can speak for myself in saying that I've watched plenty of horror where I'm like, I feel nothing from this. I mean, that's true. So if horror is something that you don't get a reaction from, maybe this is your ticket. Maybe. A lot of artists that are part of the new French extremity movement have actually cited like American exploitation cinema of the 70s, so like Grindhouse kind mm-hmm. of stuff, yeah. as being a major influence so you think I spit on your grave, some of the right. early stuff from like trauma, that kind of deal. Sure. Other influences include the works of the Marquis de Sade, mm. Henri-Georges Clouseau, Salvador Dali. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a lot of, a lot of influences go into it. Cool. So I do have some themes and general characteristics that seem to be part of this movement. All right. What you got? Uh, well, I already mentioned extreme violence. Right. Sex, consensual or otherwise. Right. Taboo or transgressive content. Okay. Yeah. So with that, we're looking at incest, cannibalism, mm-hmm. torture and mutilation. Involuntary drugging or, yeah. or other uh, involuntary manipulation. Uh, yeah. Mental abuse, that kind of thing. Yeah. But also body horror. Yeah. To an extent. And I, when I say body horror, I don't mean in the in the David Cronenberg sense of body horror. We're not talking Videodrome or The Fly. We are talking about body horror in the sense of seeing what the human body can withstand. Mm. Yeah. Um, human bodies overcome by intense physical or emotional sensations, whether those sensations be positive or negative. Okay, so basically you're running the gamut from holding your insides into yourself because nothing else will Mm -hmm. through the greatest orgasm of your life. Right. Pascal Logier, who directed Martyrs, Mm -hmm. he actually has a really good quote in regards to the, the whole body horror aspect of New French Extremity. Okay. So he said, My film is very clear about what it says about human pain and human suffering. The film is only really about the nature and the meaning of human suffering. I mean, the pain we all feel on an everyday basis in a symbolic way. The film doesn't talk about torture. It talks about the pain. Mm. So, whereas a lot of people have actually compared Martyrs to Saw or Hostel, he actually considers Martyrs to be like an anti-Hostel. Because Hostel is more concerned with looking at the torture. Right. Whereas martyrs and films like it are actually looking at the subject of the torture and focusing on the pain in their experience, mm. okay. which can be a lot yeah. for some people. Well, and I mean, in Hostel, yeah, it's all about the torture and the pain that they're, they're experiencing. You're like, oh, it'll be over in a minute anyway. Right. You're, you're focused more on... Ooh, that looks what's like it really happening. hurts. Yeah, right. You're focused more on what's happening to them. Mm-hmm. More so than their experience with what's happening. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
So, so in a way, it's more intimate. I would, yeah, I because, would say so. Because you know, when you're looking at the the actions towards the person, it's very voyeuristic. Whereas when you know, with martyrs, from what you're describing, that sounds more like you're supposed to see the pain. So it's it's almost taking their pain inside you, right? So exactly, it's a, it's a lot more intimate. It's mm-hmm. personal. Exactly. So I kind of mentioned. It's called the New French Extremity Movement, but they're kind of getting away from that. There's actually a new term that's been recently coined called the New Extremism. Okay. Which actually covers not just French directors, but also other European filmmakers whose work could be seen as as having these same characteristics. All right. Specifically, like one major one that, that you can look to is like Lars von Trier. Yeah. So if you look at stuff, less so Dancer in the Dark, which is just the most depressing movie. One of the most depressing movies I've ever seen in my life. Mm. It's good. But if you're like me, you will bawl Mm. by the end of that movie. Uh, But more so when you look at stuff like Antichrist. Yeah, yeah. It's ticking the boxes right there. there. There's sexual stuff. There's genital mutilation. There's physical violence. There's hallucinations. There's just a lot. And the focus is a lot more on the pain that they're suffering. Precisely. Rather than the actions taking Right. It's how place. this couple is dealing with their grief at the loss of their child. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it, but I've read the plot summary and I'm just like, I haven't decided if I want to watch it yet or not. Well, you know, so there, there are a whole slew of films that we've looked at that we've just got to be in the right headspace to watch. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And I'm sure there are some people that would probably put a Serbian film oh, in yeah. with the new front with uh, the new extremism, although I consider that to go like way, way hard to the other yeah. to the other extreme. That is, there's never a question. I'm never watching that movie. Right. So a couple other films that are part of the new French extremity genre. Mm-hmm. We didn't get a chance to watch some of these. Uh, some of them I've seen. Some of them I haven't. Mm-hmm. And we did try and find Martyrs. Yeah. But we could not find it anywhere. <laughs> we could find the American remake. The American remake uh, we could find, which interestingly has Troy and Belisario in it. Hmm. Uh, which I just thought was weird. But maybe someday. And then we can revisit this. Because there's uh, several movies on this list that I would like to see. Oh, same. So we have uh, Trouble Every Day from 2001 by Claire Denis. Okay. Yeah. Martyrs, which we already mentioned. Inside from 2007, mm. which there is also an American remake of, I believe, because apparently we just can't Can read subtitles. <laughs> Can we not with these remakes? I, I know. I agree. Like, I used to not be a fan of subtitles, but I've gotten to the point, especially because we live in an apartment and I don't want to be mean to our neighbors. We watch stuff we with watch subtitles, stuff with subtitles anyway. all the time. Yeah. There's only been like one time where we're like, um, the subtitles that are on here aren't great. Oh, no, wait. It was the dubbing. Yeah. The it, dubbing for, let, the, for the, let the Right One In did not match the subtitles and it bugged us. Yeah. So we just turned the dubbing off <laughs> to subtitles only. Well, and, and it sounded better, honestly. That's true. It sounded way better. So, so Inside is directed by Julianne Mori and Alexander Bustillo. Okay. Frontiers, I actually have seen. That's from mm. uh, 2007 by Xavier Jens. Irreversible from 2002 by Gaspar Noé. Yeah. And the most recent entry, which is Raw from 2016. Mm. Uh, and that's by Julia de Cornell. 
Cool. And apologies to any of our French spree- French speaking listeners. If I fucked any of those names up, I tried my best. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Fair. I wanted to take French in high school. I was made to take Spanish instead, and I've never used the Spanish either. So anyway, that's all I have for like background and history and stuff. Cool. So let's move into the first movie that we talked about. Yes. By the way, I yeah. just want I just want to say the the films that we're covering in depth today are like the mild salsa. Oh my god, of, they are the, the most basic. And and that's that in a way that kind of works out nicely because since we're in we may be introducing this this movement, this subgenre to you. Mm-hmm. These would be the safest ones to start with from what we've seen. For the I would most agree part. with that. I would yeah, I would agree with that cuz having seen Frontiers, it's way more brutal than either of the films that we're going to talk about. But if you want to just dip your toe in the water and see if see if it's something that you could push forward into, this is a good place to start. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, so let's talk about high tension. Yeah. Otherwise known as Switchblade Romance. I think it's Switchblade Romance in the UK. I don't remember. Yeah, we're in Europe in general. Yeah. Released in 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, the plot, looking for some peaceful study time, Marie joins her friend Alex at a secluded farmhouse owned by Alex's parents. On the night of their arrival, a sadistic serial killer breaks in, slaughtering Alex's family and kidnapping her. It's up to Marie to save her best friend, but all is not as it seems. Mm. That was a good read. I like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so directed by Alexander Aja. Screenplay was by Aja and Gregory Levasseur. Okay. I really only included the main three people in the cast. Sure. Uh, so Cecile de France is Marie. She was Sophia in The Young Pope. Okay. Maywen is Alex. She is actually the diva in The Fifth Element. No shit. I know she doesn't do the singing voice, mm-hmm. but like the the speaking and the physicality was her. Okay. And then Philippe Neon is the killer. He actually is uh, the butcher in several Gaspar Noé films. Okay, fair. Yeah, Alex's parents are, even in the credits, are Alex's mom and Alex's, Alex's dad. Alex's dad, yeah. And they're barely in it at all. Like, you maybe five minutes of screen time each. oh and her little brother yeah the cowboy yeah budget of 2.5 million okay box office of 6.8 nice which is is not i mean when compared to the budget it's not bad mm-hmm. especially considering like this is one of those kind of like niche horror films really which tend to not do soup like super huge box offices anyway right 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 i do have two quick little facts all right Fact number one, Roger Ebert hated this movie. <laughs> that does not <laughs> Which surprise is not me. Su- I'm sure surprises no one who's listened to this show for any significant length of time. Because as you all know, Roger Ebert hates most horror movies. Or, sorry, hated most horror movies. Yeah. I actually used to go by what what Roger Ebert said. Yeah. But in reverse. If he was like, this is oh, a terrible movie. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I am seeing that this oh, weekend. Oh, Siskel and Ebert hated this? I bet I'm going to love it. Yeah. Okay, quick aside, Mm -hmm. I have an issue when it comes to film critics in general, which is weird because I used to want to go into that. I Mm -hmm. used to want to be like a film critic, like a journalist. Right, right. But I feel like there's, for some, a lot of, a lot of film critics, really, there's less objectivity. Mm. There's a lot of um, personal bias that gets into reviews. Right. And I feel like you need to be a little bit more objective Mm -hmm. and look at the film for what it is 
and not put your own personal beliefs, beliefs and, and shit yeah. onto it. Because like even us, when we're when we're talking about a movie, even if you and I hate it, we will still be we will still tell, you know, you the listener, if you want to go ahead and watch it and you enjoy it, more power to you. It's just not our bag. Right. And you know what? We've watched plenty of movies that were not fun to watch at all, mm-hmm. but they were beautifully shot. Oh, yeah. You know, I've, I mean, I can at I've least talked, give you that nugget. Yeah, I've talked about how I found the, the Vivitch to be boring, mm-hmm. but it was still a beautiful film. It, I, only, I honestly feel like I need to revisit it because I think it just, it piqued my fuck the patriarchy mm. uh, brain at that time. Maybe I just need to rewatch it. I don't know. We'll get there. We should rewatch it together. Yes, because you haven't seen it, because I watched it without you during yes. furlough. <laughs> I, I, I appreciated that, because you're like, oh, God, this is boring. And, and I'm like, I would either hate it or enjoy it. It was pretty. And now that I have my headcanon for it, that they're actually all just hallucinating. Yeah. We'll check know. it out. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, sorry. We'll talk about that film another time. Uh, so my other fun fact for uh, High Tension is, as of 2010, I don't know if they've done like another list since then. Uh, but Time Magazine in 2010 did a list of the 10 most ridiculously violent films, and High Tension is on that list. Hmm. Would you like to know the other nine films that are on the list? Sure, because I didn't think High Tension was that ridiculously violent compared to what I've seen. I don't know, the concrete saw bit. Eh, I was just proud of you that you had properly identified it as like a, as a concrete, saw? concrete and masonry saw, yeah. I did research. <laughs> I, I didn't I, just know that. I, I read about it. <laughs> I'm just familiar with the equipment. So I was like, wow, she knows that? Cool. No, I read about it. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. So I'm curious of these films, how many we'll have seen. So we'll already count high tension because we've both seen that. Yes. 300. Nope. Re- really? Yeah, I haven't seen 300. Huh, okay. You told um, me you had a bad experience watching it, so I haven't asked to see it. Oh, we can watch it. It's fine. Okay. I'm over it now. Cannibal Holocaust. Mm. Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. The Wild Bunch. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure I've seen that. Okay. The OG I Spit on Your Grave. Yeah. Hostel. Yep. Battle Royale. Nope. A Clockwork Orange. Yep. And The Passion of the Christ. Yeah. So I've seen eight of them. I've seen five. Here's the thing, though. I've purposefully chosen not to watch A Clockwork Orange because I've tried to watch it. I just can't get into it. I don't I don't know what it is. It's... It, for me, honestly, it's it's something that you got to be in the mood for. I guess I'm just never in the mood for it because I've tried watching it like three times. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about uh, our watch thoughts. All right. So one thing about this film, I'm about to spoil the fuck out of this movie, y'all, by the way. So mm. if you plan on seeing it, turn turn this off, go watch it. Then come back. And then come back. So... You end up re- like seeing a, a lot more clues mm-hmm. when you know the twist. Yeah. On a rewatch, it's a completely different it's film. It's a completely different film. Oh, my God. Because I remember watching your face on your first viewing of it. Mm-hmm. And you were like, basically had your confused face on half the time. Just like that confused dog head tilt. Yeah. 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 Or, or like, you know, something sus in this whole situation and yeah. things aren't lining up. Well, because you... The premise of the film is that Alex has been kidnapped. Marie has to rescue her. Mm-hmm. But you get to the end of the film and you re- and you basically realize that there is no killer. Well, there is, but the killer is Marie. Right. And this male 
sadistic serial killer is like a part of her subconscious. Yeah, or her psyche or, or something. Or yeah. she's maybe she has some sort of um, split personality thing, which I know is not a technical term anymore. Like a DID, dissociative identity yeah, disorder, something, or something. Something I don't know. I'm mm. not. Uh, I'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist. I have no idea. I just watch a lot of TV. But when you know that, things kind of click in your brain. So, like, at the beginning of the film, she's they're driving to her parents' house. Marie wakes up from a nap. And she's telling Alex about this dream she had where she was running from someone. And Alex is like, oh, were you running for, from some guy? And Alex, uh, Marie says, no, I was running from myself. Yeah. Which, when you know on a re on a, when on, when this is a rewatch, and you know that it turns out Alex, I keep saying Alex, fuck. When you you know that Marie mm-hmm. is the killer the whole time, when you hear that line, you're like, oh, uh, oh. okay, yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. You do end up with a lot of questions when you know yeah. that it's her, yeah. like the logistics of what ha- of what happens, like. The biggest thing I'm like is where the fuck did she get this truck? <laughs> because she's got this like, like old timey panel old timey panel truck. Yeah, and I don't know where she got it from. I know there's a point earlier when they get to the farm where she goes out to have a smoke, and she sees Alex showering, mm-hmm. and then she just kind of there's like a there's like a segment of time, but we don't know how long. But that we time don't is. know how long that time is. The thing is, because this movie is from Marie's point of view, there's the whole unreliable narrator thing. Mm-hmm. So you're never sure how much of what you're seeing is real. Right. I'm also wondering if that whole going out for a smoke and then the next thing you see is her lying in bed masturbating. Well, you see her come in the door. You mm-hmm. see her come in the kitchen door and lock it. Right. And then she goes upstairs and starts masturbating. And then things kick off and then things kick off and i'm wondering if that whole masturbation is basically not masturbation i'm not sure like maybe it's actually in pre- in you know getting the truck but we don't know we don't know there, we there's, don't know there's so many fucking things we don't know yeah because nothing is ever really 100 percent explained mm-hmm. like they do kind of show you at the end once you once you hit the twist they show you marie killing the dad and shooting the little brother mm-hmm. and Mutilating the fuck out of the mom, like, Jesus. But it never really... Stuff never really 100% gets explained, and you just kind of have to be okay with that, I guess. Yeah. I would honestly love a version of this film that is from Alex's point of view. Yeah. I just think that would be really cool to see. It might be boring. It might be. I don't know. It'd just be a kidnapping film at that point. Right, but I would still... I don't know. I just think it would be interesting to see. One of the cool things that you pointed out is the weapon of choice, mm. that straight razor. Oh, yeah. I, th- I thought you meant the Fat Boy Slim song. No. <laughs> I have Dancing Christopher Walken yeah. in my head. We're going to have to watch that music video here in a little bit. Okay. Um, anyway, because she has this, the weapon of choice is a straight razor. Yeah, in, which, in the mutilation of the family. Right. In, in the farmhouse. Which you pointed out from a physicality standpoint, that... It was. It's an odd choice of weapon because the killer that's depicted is he's what maybe six three six four, two hundred and eighty to three hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah. I mean, he's a bulky. He's a bulky big guy. guy. Yeah. With this little straight razor in his hand. Yeah. And it just 
it didn't it didn't look right it you know it's it's kind of like in men in black when when will smith is handed that little tiny oh when agent j gets the cricket yeah when he gets that little gun and he's holding it like what am i supposed to do with this i feel like i'm gonna break it that's that's kind of what this this killer looks like with this straight razor he doesn't really look menacing he looks awkward yeah like hey i found this is is almost what it look his body language is looking like yeah well and physically he looks like when you compare when you look at him, he looks like the kind of person who would kill someone with like their bare hands or or like or an axe or a or bigger a... weapon. But like when he when the dad is killed, it's with forcing like some sort of chest of drawers or something against his head. Mm-hmm. The little brother is killed with a gun, mm-hmm. and the mom is killed with that straight razor. Yeah, and. I feel like that should honestly, because those are all things that someone who is not very physically imposing would probably do. Right. They would find some other means or. Well, and and typically, typically a small blade is something that someone a little more agile, a little more lithe would use rather than using a strength based weapon. I mean, I'm I'm pulling, you know, both personal knowledge and some D&D stats into here where, you know, if your strength stat is high, you're going to need something that you know, has some weight that you can put... You're going to use a broadsword or a claymore. Or a bat or a club. Yeah. You know, I mean, something with some heft to, to put your force behind, whereas with a straight razor, it's a finesse weapon. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it shouldn't be a weapon at all. It's designed for shaving. It's designed but, for shaving, but, you know. But in this application, it this isn't to say that bulky people can't be graceful, but this guy just looks really awkward with the straight razor. Right. Well, because, I mean, yeah, bulky people can definitely... Look at the number of football players that take ballet. Well, yeah, fair. I don't know. You just end up just... It's a great film. It's just very... Don't expect answers. No, because you won't get them. Like, you're confused about the truck. I'm confused about what exactly is going on between that car chase, between that sweet yellow muscle car and the truck. Yeah. Because Maria is driving the yellow muscle car, chasing the truck that Alex is in, but she's driving the truck that Alex is in. And it's very weird. Just if you're going to watch this movie, take a piece of paper, draw a circle. I learned this in the Navy and then write the words. I believe in the circle. And anytime you get confused, just tap that little circle and move on. Yeah. And that way you'll have a fun time. I will also say this is definitely not a movie to to watch while high. (laughs) Yeah, probably not. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Don't watch either of the movies that we're going to talk about while high. (laughs) Yeah, that's, these that's are probably not, a good call. These are not pop and edible and sit back for a fun time kind of movies. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're just not. We're looking out for you here, people. Yes. So that's all I have to say about High Tension. Do you have anything further? Yeah. Oh, uh, go for it. <laughs> I just want to share a very brief anecdote. And that is oh, uh, hey, cool. the, the first time. Don't. What I'm saying is don't feel bad about being confused and having a lot of questions the I'm first time you watched confused, it. I'm still confused, honestly. Because the first time I saw it was sitting on board the USS Lake Champlain in the ship's training room, uh, where, where okay. well, the ship's training room basically turned into a little mini movie theater. There was like 20, 30 seats in there. And usually there was like one or two people playing Counter-Strike on the computers to the side. Nice. And then we would just watch movies. Yeah. And the great thing about being on board a ship is you're packed in together with a bunch of people from all walks of life. So we weren't all you know, foodies or film snobs or anything like that. And just a bunch of guys watching this this movie 
And granted, like two guys were in there going, we're going to see some boob. And they, they were disappointed. But we all walked out of there like looking like we needed therapy. Like, <laughs> like we, we walked out to the smoke deck. I, I remember Brandon Love walked with me and he's like, dude, you and I, have, we've watched a lot of movies. I don't, I don't even, I'm like, I know, dude, I kind of want to go watch it again. He goes, yeah, but yeah. it's late. But I mean, just just to see that other people's boats were literally rocked by, yeah, <laughs> by watching this, and and these are these are these are trained you know sailors and you know yeah, some of these guys are pretty tough and they were sitting there going I don't know man, I mean that, horror makes you feel weird things sometimes yeah it does it can it can rattle the toughest of anybody honestly yeah that's true. So we have one more movie to discuss. Yes, we do. And this one, y'all, this is one of David's favorite movies. I would honestly argue that this is like one of your top five movies of all time. Yeah, somewhere between top five and top three. Oh, really? That high? Okay, cool. Yeah. And we have we have talked about it a little bit before. A little bit, yeah. I don't remember when. Um, we talked about it briefly in Snowbound Horror. Yes, yes, we did. But that was before we did our more advanced breakdowns. So we're going to talk yes. about it again. Because, all, again... A, it's a great new French extremity film, mm. but it's also, again, one of the tamer ones. Tamer as far well, as, well, tamer as far as this, the the sexual stuff and some violence, it, it's a bit tamer. Mm-hmm. But trust, there is emotion, there is pain, there is agony, there is loss. But there's, it's all, there's also, it's also so beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. It's it's great on the ears. It's. Do we want to tell them what film we're talking about? Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> probably. It's climax. Climax from 2018, written and directed by Gaspar Noé. Mm-hmm. So the plot: a dance troupe of 24 have been living and rehearsing in an abandoned boarding school outside Paris. On the night of their final rehearsal before going on tour, they celebrate with an impromptu party and some sangria, mm. which. I've never tried sangria, and this movie makes me sus. <laughs> sangria is fine. Sangria is great. Uh, the celebration takes a dark turn when the group realizes that their sangria has been spiked with LSD. Yeah, probably and some not great. People's, some people have more than others, and things don't go great. So, like I said, directed and, and written by Gaspar Noé. The cast, it's a lot of relative unknowns. Or, if they've done anything, it's... Like one or two things in France. Most of the cast are dancers. Mm-hmm. They were recruited from voguing ballrooms, crumping battles, uh, the internet. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, Gaspar Noé he found most of the cast himself. Yeah. Uh, the main there is one person who is an actress who has acted more, and that's uh, Sofia Botella. Yeah. Who is Selva. She was uh, Gazelle in Kingsman the Secret Service. Mm-hmm. She was Jayla in Star Trek Beyond. She's been in a couple other things. She's fucking amazing. Yeah. For those of you who are trying to remember who the hell Gazelle was from Kingsman. Sword Sword Legs. Sword Legs. Yeah. Budget of $2.9 Box office of only $2 million, which really makes me sad. Yeah. But I honestly wonder, like, again... With films like this, I wonder how wide a release they get. I imagine it didn't get a very wide release in the United States. It probably went to like small local independent theaters and stuff like that. Well, yeah, yeah. This is this is this is not your your multiplex type type. No, film. this is not a popcorn and a cherry slushy kind of movie. Yeah. Uh, so my facts 
I have several facts about this movie before we get into our thoughts. Mm-hmm. It actually has one of the best long takes in cinema history. It is a single, unbroken, 42-minute long take that makes up almost the entirety of the second half of the film. Yeah, it basically take a broad middle third yeah. of, of the movie. That's one long take. Like it's And it, it changes characters. It does these... There are some things like he does a Dutch angle inside of a long take and he does these dolly shots. And I have no idea, like, how... Like, the technicality that would go into this. He had to have the camera on a gimbal, because he was running that per- long take personally. Yeah. It, he was doing that himself. It was not some. It was not a cinematographer. So that it was, was Gaspar. So it wasn't a dolly then. That was that was a body-mounted gimbal, you know. Well, there, are some, there seemed to be, like, some overhead shots, and I just... Oh, I don't know. he had a drone, too. Oh, really? Okay. Fair. There was actually almost no script for yeah. this movie. Gaspar basically had, like, a general storyline. He encouraged the cast to improvise, and the only real limitation that he gave them is they couldn't reference modern technology because the film is set in 1996. Yeah. So no cell phones, no talking about Twitter or Instagram or any of that. Right. It was... Yeah, and one thing I learned from this film is basically each of the performers, they, they were basically given a character and say, flesh it out. You know, figure out what are your motivations? What, who yeah. do you like? Who do you not like? What, what kind of conflicts do you have? What kind of passions do you have? Yeah, who do you want to fight? Who do you want to fuck? Exactly. Yeah. And there were a lot of times where they, he'd meet with cast and, and say, okay, you know, is there anything that you want to do in this movie? What, is there anything specific that you want to do? You know, and, you know, if someone was like, hey, you know, I want to make out with this person, you'd be like, all right, let's go talk to him. You'd be like, hey, you cool with making out with them? And they're like, yeah. And so he's like, all right, cool. If they were like, no, he's like, all right, let's find somebody else. Yeah, let's figure something else out. Like, I want to punch that guy in the face. Okay, are you cool with him punching you in the face? Sure. All right, cool. We're going to do that at some point, I guess. We'll, we'll, we'll find a way to weave that in and make it work. Also, it was shot in sequence. Yeah, which is also... I, I, can't, I always say that that's rare, but I'm finding out that it's not as rare for horror films, apparently. Well, it makes reshoots a lot simpler. Yeah. Because, you know, if someone grows a beard or i don't know a mustache <laughs> it makes life easier henry cavill <laughs> henry cavill it, it saves on cg yeah <laughs> or or you know it also can save on you can just have someone die off screen if yeah. that you have to do a reshoot for something and they're already in new zealand doing another film they can't fly back for reshoots yeah i mean not that new zealand doesn't have planes they just why would you i mean that's like a beautiful place right So there's one other thing about this movie that I thought was really cool. Mm. So of all the dance scenes in the film, only the first one was actually choreographed. Yes. The rest of the dancing was basically just like how they chose to express themselves in the moment. Mm -hmm. However, they did have a choreographer for other things. Mm -hmm. In particular, I know we watched on the very short making of documentary on the DVD. Yeah, it's like it's basically just an interview with Sophia Botella. Yeah, which is fine. Um, she, she's a delightful. She's adorable. I love her. A delightful. A delightful what? Person. Yeah, thank you. You're I welcome. I was like trying to finish my own sentence. I think what you meant to say is she's a delight. Yeah, and I just said delightful. <laughs> she, she's the lovely. How about that? Sure. Why not? Shit, now I can't remember who that was that wrote that. Goddamn. Is that Cole Porter? Yes. I was going to jokingly call you Cole Porter, but then I forgot Cole Porter's name. <laughs> 
hard to hard to call me something you can't remember. I know that's fair, but one of the things that they had a choreographer for was like non dance movements. So, for example, that long take part of well, I can't say that long take because it's forty two fucking minutes long. So, the section of the long take where Selva is dangerously high and yeah. just kind of like throwing herself against the wall and like getting Tang- herself tangled up in a curtain and it's like soothing soothing, soothing herself, herself by feeling her skin on the couch under under her under her tights but then realizing her hands are trapped and then it become it goes from she 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 runs this wave between blissfully happy to confused to terrified to self-comfort it's to it's a great performance <sighs> I love that part where she, she, at the end of the hallway, there's one of those full wall. um, That that looks like a forest. That looks like a forest. And she like stops and she just looks at it and just kind of bends back. Like she's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing sort of thing. But it's, there's just noises and movement and you don't need words. Yeah. Well, apparently she had an earpiece in. And there was a choreographer kind of being like, okay, go back and or maybe do more of this or do something like just kind of choreographing her movements, which I just thought was really neat. Yeah. So let's get into our watch thoughts. Ooh, I have another fun fact. Yes. Gaspar also had the cast watch a bunch of footage of people on LSD. Okay. And then derive their reactions because, I mean... With with any no drug, two reactions are the same, right? I mean, you you can have some some commonalities, but some people react pleasantly, some people might not, and a lot of it can also be in you know interfered with you know environment and emotion and you know your personal headspace and everything else going on. That uh, that's that's why you have some people that that like LSD and some people that say no, I had a bad trip. Yeah, no, so it's. It's not something that I would ever want to do, especially now. I'm 36 years old. I'm too old to try LSD. I do love the mirror bit. Which mirror part? When when Selva, you know, towards the end of her hallway scene, it was the last part of the take, and she she runs her head underwater. Oh, she runs her head under the water. And then she brings her head up and sees herself in the mirror and just goes like, huh. Yeah. She, she like, you know. She's like, oh, shit. <laughs> so let's let's talk about this movie. Yeah. It's so good. So the beginning of this movie... It's it's basically these dancers being interviewed about, you know, what would be what does dance mean to you? What got you into dancing? Just a basic interview. Yeah. One thing I kind of noticed, because this is a second watch for me. I think you've watched it more than. It's my go to. Oh, it's your go to. Okay, so this is only the second time I've seen this movie. The soundtrack also slaps. So I that is true. I've got that, you know, on constant. The opening dance scene mm-hmm. uh, I have that song on my high energy playlist it's just so good it's really good but I kind of noticed on the second watch that even in the intro Gazelle looks uncomfortable with her brother Taylor yeah yeah she does which considering he's basically like in love with her and in rewatching with you and and with that in mind it feels like there's been a lot of or at least a history of inappropriateness yeah Yeah. i'm just gonna leave it there for the moment yeah well we'll we'll circle back set that for their moment well because he's like unrealistically uh, like there's overprotective and then there's there's an overprotective big brother and then there's a weird i'm jealous of your boyfriend yeah 
And Which it, it, it's kind of ew. You should never be jealous of your sibling's significant other. I mean, unless you want to date your sibling's significant other. Well, you know what I... But... You but should never it, be, yeah. like... You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. You you shouldn't say, hey, you can't have her. She's mine. And you're like, okay, no, that's, that's your sister. Yeah. I do really love there's a shift that happens. Mm-hmm. So after they do the interview, they go into that first dance, which is just beautiful. They did... Uh, they did quite a few takes while they were trying to... Because they almost... They basically choreographed that themselves. Yeah. And it was... By the way, this movie was shot in 15 days. Yeah. I I believe they did... I want to say it was something like 16 takes of that first choreographed dance piece. Yeah. The 15th take is the one they used. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It's a, it's a really cool dance. Great energy. But it shifts after the dance when they actually... There's... A lot of small talk. There's, well, because they, they finish their rehearsal, they go into their party, mm-hmm. which is basically just in the exact same space that they were in, except now they're drinking and eating. Right. And then there's some conversation, but then there's a title card. Yes. What was it, like 20 some odd minutes into 20, the movie? Yeah, 20 to 30 minutes into the movie, there's some, this weird title card. And then it switches from these nice tracking shots to where it's tracking, you know, Selva, and then it goes over to Emmanuel mm-hmm. and looks at Tito for a little bit and just kind of goes all over the place. Yeah. But then it you get that title card and then it goes to jump cuts. Yes. And the jump cuts are so obvious and they're quick. intentional. Yeah, they, they they make you uncomfortable. Yeah. And the the conversations are raw, but yeah. they're not all necessarily grotesque. No, it's you know, guys, these, you know, several different groups of guys talking about who they want to fuck, and and one pair of guys get like this whole one-upmanship battle of of like who who can be the nastier, yeah, one, you know, like talking about you know I'm gonna do her in the butt without lube and. The other one's like, no, you got to lick it, you know, and, and, and they're just, they're yeah. reacting to each other and stuff. And I'm sitting here going, I've seen this in real life where neither, neither one of these guys are going to do that. Right. Exactly. What they're doing is saying, okay, who, who's the bigger badass? Right. And then you get the tall blonde psyche. Mm, yeah. And the girl with the curly, curly blonde hair. Ivana. Ivana. They're clearly have been kind of like a couple. Mm hmm. And they're having an argument where Psyche's not really saying anything. And Ivana's just kind of being like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why won't you talk to me? What are, what are you doing? Why are you being weird? I'm not weird. You're boring. I'm not weird. You're boring. <laughs> Go drink some water. <laughs> which, which, by the way, it, you know, it, it might startle someone. There is English spoken in this film as well as French. Yeah. I mean, there are... Most uh, of the dancers are French. But I know, like, Psyche in particular is German. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about some of the others. Right. But, yeah, there is occasionally just, like, spats of English. <laughs> and then it goes right back to French. Right. Which is which is funny because since it is a French film, when people speak in English, there are subtitles. But the subtitles are a different font. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they are just already in the film. It's not a setting. They're just in the film because the film was originally released in French. Exactly. Which I just, I liked those, those subtitles were bigger and I liked them. And I was like, can we just get the whole movie in those subtitles? They're really nice. Yeah, it was nice. One of the other things that I like is there's this great shot 
when it goes back to them all just like partying Mm -hmm. where it's an overhead shot of the dance floor. It's not a very far overhead shot. It's basically like maybe 20 feet off the ground. If that Mm -hmm. where you're seeing all the dancers in a circle and there's somebody in the middle. You guys have been to a party, maybe not recently, but everyone's been to a party and seen like a dance circle. Shit, we did one at a wedding a couple of years ago. Yeah. Not like this. No. no. But <laughs> I noticed, because again, this is my second viewing, so I was paying attention to different things. Almost all of the women, as well as the gay-coded men, mm-hmm. during that overhead dance scene, basically end up writhing on the floor. Whereas all of the clearly straight men don't. And, and Dom. And Dom, yes. Which I just... I'm. I'm not sure why. I don't know what th- what that means. I just it was something that I noticed as we were watching that scene. I was like, okay, so she's on the floor now. She's on the floor now. Okay, so now Riley's on the floor. Right. So I just I don't know why. I thought it was it was something I noticed. Also, can can we talk about the dynamic between Daddy and Riley? I love Daddy. He's so great. Daddy's basically the DJ for for. He's one of the dancers too. Well, yeah, but like he doesn't dance a ton. He's more so the DJ. Is that his natural hair, by the way? What the blonde? The long blonde hair, or is it just really good like extensions? I'm I'm pretty sure that was a wig he put on. I don't know. I can't tell. The way he whips that thing around, it does not seem like a wig. Anyway, he also has great legs. Yes, he does. But yeah, there's this great dynamic between Daddy and Riley. And Riley is this sweet, skinny gay guy Mm -hmm. who basically has decided that for whatever reason, he wants to lose his virginity to David. Who it's basically presumed that he's slept with every Every girl there. Yeah. Basically. Which maybe I'll talk. Which maybe I'll talk because that happens too. Yeah. But like. I mean, there, there's a conversation going on at the party where they're like, oh, it's, he's disgusting. You know, he's he's he'll, slept, fu- he'll, he'll fuck anything that moves. And-, and 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 someone says, I'm pretty sure he's got an STD. And one of the girls says right after that, she's like, kind of turns me on even more. And I'm like, gross. <laughs> no, gross. I missed that. Fuck. Ew. Yeah. But I mean, you know, when people are letting their hair down, sometimes people let shit out. Well, that- yeah. Well, and the thing, the only person he definitely has not slept with is Selva. Because he's basically spends most of this party pursuing her in a very, like, very creepy way. Creepy, but not not necessarily rapey. Or... It doesn't go that far, no. But he's, you, you've seen the guy at the party that's like, come on, let me just, come on. Come on, let's just go make out. Let's well, just go. Come on, please. Yeah. It's sad and annoying. Yeah, a little Is bit. Is that weird? Okay, anyway, back to Danny and Riley. Um... <laughs> So Riley has basically decided he wants to lose his virginity to David. And Daddy's like, okay, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, that's not happening. So there's like this one part where I think it's David and Gazelle mm-hmm. are kind of like sort of making out, but not really. And Riley goes over to try and like insert himself into this group. And David just like pushes him away like the total asshole he is and says something to the effect of i don't want you i'll never want you or something yeah like that. something like that so then later on you actually see riley in his room just like crying and daddy is just like oh baby it's okay 
it's okay. And they just end up like cuddling, cuddling and falling asleep. And it's actually kind of sweet. Yeah. Here's another character dynamic that I really like. Well, can we talk about the triangle or well, the, I feel bad for Omar. Oh God, Omar. Yeah. So, okay. Go ahead. So here's the thing. The person who made the sangria for the party is Emmanuel. She's the manager. She's of the, the basically the manager. Yeah. So she's also there. Her son, she has her son Tito with her. Mm-hmm. He's like, what, five, six? I think he's seven. Yeah. She tells him, Something. you know, she tells him, don't drink the sangria. It's, it's got alcohol in it. It's for the dancers. It's not juice. Don't it's drink it. It's for the grownups. So of the group, the only two people that do not drink, because Tito ends up drinking some, of mm-hmm. course, because kids don't listen. The only two who don't drink it are Lou, who is pregnant. Which she's only told which one person. She doesn't. She, well, well, yeah, she, well, she, she tells tell somebody. She at, tells Selva during the film. Yeah, but not during the earlier part. Not yeah. yeah. And then Omar, who is a devout Muslim, so he doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't do drugs, any of that. Yeah. So of course, when everyone realizes that something is wrong, and that the sangria has been spiked. Yeah, the first person who really realizes something that's something is wrong is Selva, because she is kind of walking around and she's got this expression on her face like I know something is not right. I know something's not right with me. People are being weird. And she tries to go to daddy and say like, hey, something is wrong. And he's like, no, everything's fine. Go have a drink. It's a party. Right. So eventually everybody kind of realizes, holy shit, we're all really high. Yeah. And they look at, well, who would be the person to actually do this to us? It has to be somebody who hasn't had a drink. Who doesn't drink? Omar doesn't drink. Well, and who's the first person to point out Omar? Taylor. Gazelle's brother. Because he wants Omar gone. Because Omar is dating Gazelle. Y'all starting to realize how much this feels like, oh my god, we were at this party. Let me tell you about the shit that went down at this party. Oh my god, I know. The movie feels like a really long party. If If you've ever been to a party where you're like... I don't even know how to describe what happened last night. Some shit got weird. Where there's like so much drama. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's this movie. That long take. To a point. Yeah. That long take is exhausting in a way, but it's so much fun too. It's like a slow roller coaster ride where you're, you're almost like just following people. Cause I will say I have never been to a party where people were so drunk that they were rubbing ranch dressing on each other. Is that what that was? I just assumed it was ranch dressing, but I'm also I'm from also Missouri, from the Midwest. So, so. so you think anything white's ranch dressing? No, <laughs> there were chips and a white dip, so I assumed it was either ranch dressing or French onion dip. Well, you think it's French onion because it's France? No, because that's what you dip chips in, you asshole. <laughs> French onion dip is it? Potato chip? French onion dip? Is it a tortilla chip? Salsa guacamole? Oh, okay. What? I'm not wrong on this. Fair. I'm sorry that I'm from the Midwest and I dip my pizza crust in ranch dressing. I apologize. Some weird it's shit. delicious, but I, I'm sorry, I yeah, guess. No, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. But then there are people that are just like, like, hardcore fucking on the floor. Oh, yeah. Like, three <laughs> feet from other people. And, and I've never been to a party that where that happens. I can 100% say. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I have. Okay, it's, cool. It, like, yeah. You know, it, it's a life-altering experience where you walk in and, it, it, like, into a room and someone looks up and goes, hey, you want in? And you're just like, I'm going to go take a shit. I can actually now, 
I can definitively say I have never walked in on anyone having sex. Oh. To my knowledge. Lucky. Congrats me. Yeah, good <laughs> good on you. That Yeah. That's good times. Good times. Uh so one other thing I will say about this particular movie. Sophia Batella has a really good scream. Oh my god. When she screams in David's face because he won't leave her the fuck alone. And it's like what, three inches maybe maybe from, maybe from his face? Yeah. It's just it's not just the sound, it's it's the feeling. It goes right into the whole, you know, new French extremity checkbox. It's very emotional, very visceral. It makes you feel something. Yeah. Oh, should we talk about the sad thing? Or, well, several sad things happen. There's several sad things that happen. Because Omar gets locked outside in the snow, so... Uh, so Omar, di- o- Omar freezes to death. Yeah. Everyone finds out that Lou is pregnant, so they think maybe she spiked the sangria. Mm-hmm. So someone, I don't remember who... Dom? Is Oh, it is Dom. Dom basically, like, punches her in the stomach, and then when she's on the ground, like, kicks her hard. Yeah, to the point where she's, like, retching. And- she's retching, and she's definitely bleeding. And then when she goes out to the rest of the dancers for help, when they find out she's pregnant, they're like, well, you must have spiked her LSD, too. And they, like, are chanting at her to kill herself. Spiked her LSD? You spiked our LSD with sangria. I'm getting very hot, and I'm trying to... (laughs) No, I I get it, I get it. Um, Spiked our sangria with LSD. You know what I fucking mean. Fuck So they keep trying to... They're, like, chanting at her to kill herself. Yeah. Uh, And she ends up, like, stabbing herself. Well, she cuts her arm and her face. She, like, punches herself in the stomach. Yeah, punches herself. It's really rough. And then we also see little Tito has also gotten into the sangria... And Emmanuel decides the best way to, to take care of this situation is to lock him in the electrical room closet and then lose the key. <laughs> and at one point you hear Tito screaming, there's something moving and you don't know whether it's the LSD or rats. No. Yeah. It's um, the write up that I've read is most of the stuff I've read is like he's hallucinating like cockroaches. Mm, okay. Um, and then at one point there is a scream and then the power goes out. And some motherfucker, I don't know who it is in, in the party, but one person shouts, Oh, yo, Tito's dead! Tito's frying! I'll get my ghetto blaster! And, and you're like, whoa, and, and you then, guys! And, and then breaks out a boombox and party on! Party on! Yeah, the only person who's upset about this at all is Emmanuel. Well, yeah, because her, her son's she, potentially fried. Yeah. Oh, he's definitely dead. Well, we don't know. We do see in the room at the end. At the end, yes. Yeah. But but like once Tito goes into that electrical room, you never see him until the very end of the movie. Yeah. And his mother never sees him again. Well, no, because she also kills herself. Yeah. There's a lot. I We don't have the time to go into what happens with every single character in this fucking movie. <sighs> Fair. Just watch it. It's so good. We won't spoil who actually spiked the LSD. No. Spiked the sangria with LSD. Motherfucker. <laughs> now that I've done it once and you've pointed it out, it's like I'm doing it on purpose and I hate it. I am so mad. <laughs> oh. Did you give yourself a stitch? Yes, I did. We're going to make buttons that say, did you give yourself a stitch? Okay. I want. I need buttons and I need bumper stickers. Okay. That's going to be our thing. Somebody... Somebody hit me up. That's going to be our merch. Okay. I also want a button that says, we'll get into it. Uh, I want a button that says, absolutely not. I did that the other... Fuck, what were we watching when I did that the other day? 
we were watching a video game. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, something about video games and something happened. There was some sort of spider. Yeah, I don't remember. I do it a lot, honestly. Uh, that laugh hurt. I'm sorry. It's okay. But I'm happy that I bring you such joy with my you... stupidity. It's not stupidity. <laughs> It's my not. stupid moments? You're not stupid. I know. I didn't say I was. I said I had stupid moments. Well, yeah, those We mo- all have stupid moments. Fair enough. Thank you. Anyway, that's going to do it for us this week. Yeah. Please watch Climax. Even if you don't, like, if you're not super into it, that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's very pretty. It's beautiful. Oh, my God, y'all. The colors and the, the shots. If you're into cinema at all, you owe it to yourself to watch this movie. And then you can bug all your friends to watch it. Mm-hmm. And it'll be like a chain letter. Yeah, it's so great. You can follow us on Twitter at H2HorrorCast. You can also email us at H2HorrorCast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We have a Patreon. Yes, we do. Patreon.com slash H2HorrorCast. Lowest level is a dollar a month, which we're having to rent more stuff lately. So that would help us helps. out. <laughs> And you can also follow us on Facebook. We are working on getting a website up and running. So it might be up by the time this episode airs. Uh, we'll we'll post on Twitter. We'll definitely and stuff. post it everywhere and let, let everybody know. Yeah. David's been working very hard on it. I'm very proud of him. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm no web designer, but I, I try. It looks really good so far. Uh, shout out to our current patrons, uh, mm-hmm. Lizzie, a.k.a. Carnage Candy and Teresa, a.k.a. Mom. Yeah. That's all I have right now. I don't have any additional news or anything. I hope everybody's doing great. Yeah. We're both fully vaccinated now, yeah. which is awesome. Um, we are both still wearing masks when we go out because the uh, ratio of people not wearing masks to people who have been fully vaccinated, those numbers don't add up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So remember when everybody was doing that whole, the? I mean, it's still awesome, but... Oh, shit, that game, Sus. Um, among Us. Among Us, yeah. It, it's like real life Among Us now. Yeah. I don't trust people. I'm sorry. I just don't. So anyway, thank you all for listening. We hope everyone's being safe. And until next time, I'm Tia. And I'm still David. And stay spooky, friends. Bye. Music for this episode is Save Us Now by Shane Ivers. Our artwork is by Catherine Nixon. <laughs>